So I just like to point out that before we, when we were looking for a panel this morning, and uh, we wanted to talk from a bit of our perspective of being on the other side of dating and being married now, looking back and saying, okay, there's some mistakes that we wish we wouldn't have made, and some things that we wish we'd have done differently, and so to talk from that perspective. But we also want to have some up here that's in the single and dating realm, and so James and I discussing over who that would be. That became actually a difficult thing of, of trying to figure out, okay, who, can, who do we know? that we think would, would speak with honesty and openness, but also is doing it um, from what we can see, doing it well. And so doing that well. becomes difficult, actually, in the Christian <laughs> circle to find those that are single that are doing it well and uh, would be comfortable speaking in front of people. So um, Will, when we talked, I also like to point out, because you've noticed I've been very quiet about making fun of Will this morning. I'm not making fun of Will. James <laughs> told me, okay, but you can't embarrass him. You can't. I am not the one embarrassing him. This morning. I said Don't I would do it. Well. I okay. volunteer. Uh, yeah. So if you haven't noticed, this morning on our relationship series, we were talking about being single and dating. So two, two uh, things I want to start off with. One is why have we lumped them together? Well, because scripturally they're lumped together. So there isn't like a difference when you're dating compared to when you're single compared to when you're married. The division is you're either not married or you're married. And so the standards that are in scripture apply to you whether or not you are dating or single. Uh, or whether or not you're married. And so dating and single is together in Scripture, so that's why we're, we're lumping them together, that what Scripture says about that season of life is the same for both of those. Um, the second piece I wanted to start with is, I know most in the church right now who are married are saying, well, this isn't going to apply to me. Uh, I can probably just tune off. Why am I here? Um, and I would like to point out that 25% of any church is probably single, that would be our statistics. 40% um, of our population beyond these church walls is also single, which would tell me two things. One, that we are not doing a very good job as the church to make them feel comfortable. That would be the first thing. Uh, the second piece is, is that we're obviously not relating well to the population out there if you see a different statistic in the church than you do out there. We would say it with age. We would say it with everything, that if a church is missing or it has a different percentage than what you see in the world, then as a church you're missing a part of what you're supposed to be doing. So this morning, uh, if you are married and you have a family, whether or not you're just married and it's just the two of you, or whether or not you have a family, Scripture's really clear that we have a part to play in this. Oh, yeah. uh, Psalm 68 says this. Psalm 68, um, verse 6 says this. God sets the lonely in families. Mm. Often those that are not or, or struggling and trying to figure out their place in this single and dating life, not everyone is, and I get that, and we're going to get into that this morning, but... Often people who are doing that, especially in the church, are lonely. They don't know where they fit. And as families, we have a call to make them fit. Our call is to make them fit into our families, to adopt them into our homes, to say, hey, you know what, you belong with us. That is our call as families. So this morning, but in order to do that, you need to understand where they're coming from and what they're going through. And we're going to talk a little bit about what the struggles are and what the, what the pros are to, to this being single and what that might mean. And I also would just like to point out that as um, couples and families that you're looking at through the lens of how can I step up and be a support? How can I love and care for those that are in this season of life well? Uh, especially as we go into Thanksgiving weekend, and I know we're in a weird season right now where who knows like what, um, you know, who's allowed to be in whose bubbles and all these things, and I, I get that, I understand that, but... It's these seasons where we're in holiday seasons. We're really good at making people who are um, maybe on their own feel comfortable in off seasons. But when we get into holidays and we get into these times where we can be quite selfish and say, well, this is our family time. Maybe we need to open our eyes and realize that some people, what scripture says is they're lonely and we are to put them in our families. That they're supposed to be a part of our family life. That means every moment. That means on Christmas days and Thanksgiving days and all of these, these pieces, they are supposed to be a part of our family. So those of you who may not be in the single dating life and you're on the other side of that spectrum, I just encourage you this morning to look at it through the lens of who is God asking to put into my family? Who am I supposed to be adopting into my family? Amy said, too, she has three daughters, so it totally applies. So even yes. if your kids are entering into that dating realm, Absolutely. it's good to know. Absolutely. Good to have a vision of where you want them to go, too. My son's three, but I've thought about it. That's what I was thinking, too, right? as parents, yeah. 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 
Absolutely. Have you been thinking about this for your kids in the future? I have been, yeah. yeah. Uh, I would just like to point out, speaking of kids, Will, if you, uh, if you are on YouTube and you watch YouTube, uh, Will has a YouTube series that's quite funny to watch. Him and a bunch of his buddies, they do no, this his YouTube. Brothers. It's his brothers. It's his brothers and some of his buddies. I know. Okay. Um, they're not all his brothers. Okay. And so as a family, we have watched it all summer long. <laughs> He goes through um, this season of life for himself and he talks about it from the perspective of like, I want my kids to know I was fun when I was younger. And so he records it talking to his kids in the future. And I look at my girls often and I was like, see, I was fun once too. You just don't remember it. You have to show your kids that you're fun. Yeah. It is, you, you have to, to show you your fun. To. Anyways, that has nothing fun. to do with this morning, but yeah. just wanted to point it out. Thanks, honey. Uh, it's good. So, yes, so the church has an important part to play. I think not just if you are in this season of life, but I think if you aren't, too. Uh, we're looking through the lens of making people who are in this season of life comfortable. We often do sermon series on marriage, and I think most of the time when people heard that we were doing a relationship series, I think they assumed, they made an assumption, you hear the word relationship, and you make an assumption that that's going to be talking about marriage, mm. right? Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, but we wanted to make sure that through the relationship series that we were actually looking at it from all perspectives. What does the Bible say about no matter what season of life you might be in, what does the Bible say about how you are to do that well? Uh, so we're going to jump right into 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Really interesting that the, um, the title in this chapter, here, can you hold that? Just uh, I'll like do right whatever you like, me. whatever you want, Tanya. That's awesome, thanks. There you go. I only have so many hands. Um, it's interesting. The first, the, in this chapter, the title actually says marriage. It's interesting, but a good chunk of the chapter is talking about being single. Even people who translated the Bible still were looking through a, their own lens of that scripture must be talking to couples all the time and not to those that aren't. Just an interesting tidbit. Chapter 7. Starting in verse 7, it says this. This is Paul talking to the church. He's talking about marriage, and then he goes in and he says, I wish that all men were as I am. But each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, another has that. He's uh, talking about him being single. So this is Paul. He's a single man who wrote half of our New Testament he traveled around. He was a church father to a good chunk of the churches of the day. And he says this. He says that, I wish that all were as I am. But everyone has their own gift. How often do we portray being single or this season of life where you're single as being something that is a burden and not a gift? But if we want to look at what Scripture says, Scripture says it is a gift it is a season that God has gifted you with, and don't take it for granted. He goes on later in the chapter, 32. I'll give you that back. We really need a table, guys. We really need a table. We'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. Okay, uh, verse 32, it says this, I would like you to be free from concern. So he's talking about the single life and married life and the contrast between the two. He says this, I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of the world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your good, not to restrict you, but that, may you live, but that you may live in a right way is undivided in devotion to the Lord. So what does he say? He says this is a gift that you have. If you are single and you're in that season of life, it is actually a gift that God has given you. That's the first thing. It's not a burden. The second thing he says is, is you need to honor that gift. What is it scripture saying? It's saying you have a unique season of life where you have no worries except what is God asking of you. You have nothing else to worry about. The interesting piece here, and then I'll let you guys jump in if you have anything to add to it. The interesting piece here is it really shows if you're in that next season of dating and you're trying to figure out, okay, what does a spouse look like? Be really cautious with who that spouse is. Why? Because it says that that's going to take up concern in your life. 
You're all of a sudden now going to be concerned about what your spouse, and you should be. Scripture talks about that. You have to think about what your spouse wants and, and what their needs are and what God's calling them to. It's not just about what God's calling you to. And so there is this season where all of a sudden you don't have to worry about that. But then it also tells you if you're in the next season where you're looking for a spouse, be really cautious about who that spouse is. Because now what they're concerned about, who they are, and what they're going to want to do is going to impact you for the rest of your life. What God is asking of you as a believer is going to be in tension with what he's asking your spouse to do as a believer or an unbeliever. And you're going to have to walk that line for the rest of your life. There is this importance to, to understanding that when you're looking for someone, when you're looking in this dating realm, that you're looking for someone who is like-minded. Mm. There's also an importance, though, to understand that if you are single, it, you're not single so that you can waste your time away on whatever you want. God is saying, it is a gift that I'm giving you that the only thing you have to worry about is what I am doing and what I'm asking you to do. Anyone have thoughts on that? Yeah, just really quick on that. I love the fact that um, there's an encouragement that singleness can actually indeed be a gift and, and actually an opportunity for joy. But the challenge that comes with that sometimes is when we are single or we don't have a place that we connect with, we can feel like we don't belong or don't have a, a place where we fit. And so that feeling of whether it's loneliness or detachment or being disconnected can drive us to jump into relationships that otherwise would not be great for us simply because we don't have a place to anchor to where we feel like we, we fit in, like we're part of a family. And so Maria's uh, point earlier was really great, talking about how, uh, you know, inviting a single per the church inviting a single person into their home for a dinner uh, or over for Thanksgiving or whatever it may be. It might seem kind of strange at first, but, but whether, you, whether you even understand it or not at the time, you're bringing a lonely person in on a journey with you so they can see health and vitality and have a place to belong and a family to connect in with. And, and it, prevents, uh, it can prevent someone from running after or chasing after things to fill a void that otherwise would not necessarily be healthy or appropriate. Yeah, I think that what Paul's talking about too is really interesting because singleness is a gift because that's the time where, you know, people getting married isn't just, you know, you come together and you complete each other. Oh my goodness, it's such a beautiful... No, you know, I think like, no. it takes... No, no, scratch that from your mind. Oh my goodness, my soulmate, we just complete each other. No, it shouldn't... Like, it sort of should, but it really shouldn't. You should have one whole person. The time when you're single is that one whole person. You're, you're coming into communion with God. You see his plan for your life and the values and the things that he wants you to do. And when you find that person, it's too whole people coming together, not That's two good. imperfect people coming together to create dysfunction in trying to complete each other. <laughs> two whole people coming together, guys. So it says in the Bible too, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Mm -hmm. So ladies, you got to be working on yourselves. Yeah. You know, like I can speak to the ladies. You can speak to Come the on, guys. ladies. You gotta Come work on, on ladies. Okay. <laughs> well, you can't say that, buddy. Okay. You, just, you can't go there, my friend. <laughs> okay, dig in. Yeah. What do you got? Um, Christy, Christy, Jane, Thompson just said that our mics are quiet. Can you, can everybody hear us? Don't worry, they'll pay now. attention to that. They're, they're, they got that, they got that. Okay, you guys got it. Yeah. They, got they got it, it. don't worry. But, yeah. but eat that microphone, bring it up nice and close like this. To your chin. To your chin. Chin, yeah. Yeah. There you go. chin mic. That's good. You got That's it. Good. Okay, <laughs> carry on. Uh, yeah, my mom, all the time when I was younger, she used to say, chin. Is that? Yeah, Okay. Touch your chin. I don't like it when it's on my chin. You have to do it. Okay. Okay, yeah. My mom always told me that you have, to, you have to plow your field before you plant your crop. Mm. And as a single person, I like that because I'm plowing my field right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the time that you're working on yourself. You're working on your relationship with God. Yeah. You're getting things prepped, right? And yeah. And yeah. I think you can plow your field with a partner as well. But sometimes it's a good time to think about it and reflect when you're single to, to mm. work on yourself and work on your relationship with yeah. God. That's good. Thanks, Will. I have, it, I have it written down. I said, stop looking for the one and start figuring out how to be the one. I think oh. so often we're like spending, oh. you know, I'm sure yes. other people have heard that, but often we, we spend so much time looking Write for Write that in the comment section. Stop looking for the one and start being the one. Yeah. Is, that, is that what you said? That is what that's I what said. said. I think that's what Write I said. Write that in the comments. We need to yeah. save that Learning for later. Learning how to be the one. Learning how to be the one. Yeah. <clears throat> 
I know. I thought it was quite. I'm sure someone else thought of it before I did, and I'm that sure I heard it somewhere. It needs to be like on, a, on, but... a, on one of those uh, wooden poster things that yeah. people get from the store, and they put it on their walls. Yeah, I think so often we're looking for this perfect one. You're right. Yeah. In in this season where you're single and you're just looking, who's going to be the one? Who's going to be the one? But I think if you actually realize, uh, am I the one? Like, am I am I what's what I would want? Would in I else? want to be married to me? Yeah. Hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it is. True. It's a good. It's just. It's just that idea of that. That season is really to look at who am I and figure out who I am. And God is capable of bringing the right person along when you figure out who you are and you're yeah. walking out your calling and who God has made you. Like if you're absolutely crazy and you're just hoping that somebody will come into your life and fix your craziness, you know, you need to fix your craziness first and then have somebody welcomed into your life. Uh, because yeah. doing it the other way, it just turns into like a counselor, counselee relationship, and that's not how you want to roll. Just heads up. Great. <clears throat> Fix your craziness, Will. Okay. Yeah. Will, stop being crazy. Yeah. I'm super crazy. Is, okay. that, is that what you guys did? What? what? No. Oh, God. I, I think I actually... <laughs> If we're honest, I think, I think some of it, yes, I think some of it we're speaking from experience of we wish we would have figured some things yes. out before we got married. Because the first few years of marriage, um, well, probably our first 10, if we're honest, like we always loved each other. And I think we knew that we were yeah. meant, you know, like that God had called us. Hey, you look, know, hey, look, this whole series is about being honest, okay? Yeah. Let's be frank. We're having a real frank discussion it's, here. It's really true. Yeah, me I'm and not, David got married in six weeks after meeting each other. And I'm like, I think we should have spent more time on just having good relationship with God. Because our first few years of marriage were really hard. They were, they were really hard. Yeah, so I, yeah, I think James would say the same thing I did is that we both loved each other. The things we did know, it was we did know that God's call on our life was, was similar. Mm -hmm. We knew that. We knew that we were going in the same direction that God was asking us for. I think we've had that figured out. But uh, some of our mess and our background, I don't think we dealt with and I wish we would have beforehand. Would yeah. you agree? Oh, I totally agree. I, I, think there's, I think that's just part of growing up and becoming more mature and accepting good counsel into your life to call stuff out. And I don't know if either of us were in a position to even receive that good counsel. Uh, we weren't healthy enough. And so w was there a lot of greatness in the beginning? For sure. Was there a lot of challenge and heartache in the beginning? Absolutely. Um, would we have done it differently on the other side? For sure. Like we would have definitely taken a different path. Um, no question about it. But would we have ended up in the same place that we are today? I believe so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Single people, make sure if you like someone's marriage, go and ask them, you know, what some of the values are on their marriage. You know, like you can go, please. All of our us married people would be like, yes, we want to talk about that. Come over for coffee. You know, those are important things to search out and have people you're accountable to when you're dating to make sure that you're really following the goals or, you know, the things that God wants for your life. Yeah. Um, quick, just a quick thing. Uh, one of the sound and media persons, uh, if you could just bring up two AA batteries, that would be great because this mic is going to die in seconds. Just oh, yeah. It's, yes. it's blinking. It's blinking. Yeah. Excellent. Anyway, uh, yeah. So next, next thing, next point I want to say what scripture talks about is that singleness does not limit what God's going to do in your life. Mm. Singleness does not limit what God is going to do in your life and what he's calling you to. How do we know that? Well, I've already touched on it. Paul wrote half the New Testament being a single guy. He got to travel, I promise you, if he had a wife and kids at home, he probably wouldn't have done what he did because he was traveling all over the place to he all these different churches. He would have been a bad husband, yes. He would have been a bad husband. <clears throat> no, he would not have been able to speak about how to be a good husband. Uh, but singleness does not limit. We also see in Acts, Acts 21, uh, I think it's verse 9. Yeah. Um, there, I won't read it, but there's four daughters. There's a guy who's a leader in a church, and he has four daughters. Are we going to switch mics? Okay, I'm sorry. This is probably going to... So there is, uh, he has four daughters, and he says that his four daughters were actively a part of the church prophesying. They're four single daughters, and it says that. We see, we see uh, people all the way through scripture that God used that were in a season of being single. They didn't feel the need to change that season. They were just being where God had placed them. And so again, it is a gift that God has given you, not something to, I'm back. Am mm -hmm. I back? You're Am I back. good? You're back. Okay. Am I still good out there? You're good. Everyone can hear me? Okay. So, yeah, so singleness is, it, um, does not limit what God is going to do mm -hmm. in your life. Does it change how you do it? Absolutely. Why? Because that goes into our next thing, is that purity is a hard thing sometimes in our world. True right, story. Will, Will and, laughed. And a, silent, like, and a hush like, fell over the crowd. He's like, the single guy on the panel like, yes, yes it is. Yeah. And we'll get there in a sec. You can think about how you want like to formulate that I'll answer. I'll think about it. Um, 
But purity is a hard, it's a hard thing in our world, right? There's this idea of sexuality is just magically going to appear as soon as you get married, right? Not, all of a sudden your, your, your desire for, your desires are just going to all of a sudden show up when you get married as a Christian. And somehow before that point, you're just supposed to not think about these things. These things are just not supposed to be present. Well, actually, it's not the way it works. And so it's difficult. Scripture talks about purity. Paul actually says further on in chapter 7, um, I think it's verse... It says this, now to the unmarried and widows I say, it is good for them to stay unmarried as I am. But if they cannot control themselves, they should marry. For it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Oh, yeah. In, so anybody who says the Bible's boring, you just need to reread that verse a couple of times. Burning with passion. You just let that sink in for a moment, okay? In Song of Songs, it says this. It says, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. It says it three times. Song of, Song of Songs is this book in the Bible that talks all about this idea of, actually, of intimacy. It's actually an erotic novelette. It uh, is. So actually, you know what? Back in the day, true story, uh, if you were a young person, uh, particularly in the Jewish world, and you were growing up in synagogue and learning about the, Bi the Bible, so it would be you know, their Bible, um, you weren't allowed to read Song of Songs until you were of age or an appropriate age because it was so full of passion and very descriptive. People are not giggling over PG. here. <clears throat> It was not PG rated. It is absolutely R, uh, NC-17, the stuff that, you know, is probably on the TV way too late at night that you shouldn't be watching anyway. Um, that is Song of Songs. It's intense stuff. Let me tell you what. Now, all, now everybody's going to go read it. Now everybody's going to go read it. You know right. what? We've got to get them starting to read the Bible somewhere, okay? So okay. start reading the Bible. Uh, yeah. It's great. It's awesome. But no, why does it say that? You know, this book, it actually says, be careful. It says, don't awaken these things before it is time. It also says that if you are struggling in this area, then you should search for a significant other because, it is, because purity is an important thing in Scripture. We also hear often, well, purity, holiness that God's called us to, well, that's just unfair. If God has given us his desires, how can he expect us just to keep them all in check? Like, like that was just a different time, a different culture. It doesn't apply to us. Well, here is newsflash for you, that the salvation message, the gospel, is not fair. It's true. If you were to get what was fair, you would have to pay for your own sins. You don't. If you were to get what was fair you would have to still be sacrificing on, uh, mm. on the altars in order mm. to cover your, your indiscretions, to do all these things. The gospel is actually all about not being fair. I heard that, hallelujah. Self-control so, is a very hard thing sometimes, it guys, is very but hard. it's a fruit of the spirit. And it's one of, the, I think, the most important ones. Don't awaken the passion, okay? So I just want, I want, to, I want to say something. <clears throat> Whoa, okay. I just want to say something real quick here. So for... Just for all the 50-plusers that are out there watching right now or tuning in or sitting here with us, and they're like, man, these pastors shouldn't be talking about this stuff. These young, these young people shouldn't be talking about these things in church. I'll tell you, tell you a little secret. Um, why don't you have a little memory rewind back to when you were in your 1950s car, cruising into a drive-in, getting some burgers, and then going for a drive where you parked somewhere for a little while. Now, you probably haven't thought about that moment for a bit when you were deciding to get a little frisky with your significant other back, uh, you know, in the 60s and 50s. And, and you, th you pretend now that, you know what, those things just don't happen. That's not a real part of life. And, and you know, you have this expectation or this standard for, for people that is just absolutely um, ridiculous, thinking that, well, these things just shouldn't happen. You put yourself back... When you were a young person, you probably had some moments that uh, you look back on and wonder, why on earth did I do that? Or I, re I regret, there's hands going up over on this side of the church. Like, yeah, amen. <laughs> amen, pastor. Amen. We've been there. We've been there. And, uh, and the reality is, is, is I would actually implore the older generation to be honest with yourself while we have an honest conversation about what the realities look like of being a single person. You know, back in the day, you used to have to seek out trouble to get into. Uh, now the trouble seeks you out pretty rapidly. And it's not easy to maintain a level of um, self-control or purity. It can be very challenging in the world that we live in nowadays. And, and we can actually choose, though, instead to walk in a different standard for our lives. It's actually possible. Even though it's not easy, it is actually possible. So instead of, um, you know, being an older generation that's poo-pooing the young crowd for all the crazy stuff they're doing, think about what you've done in your life, be honest with yourself, and then say, man, I wonder how I could lend a hand to help some of these young folks uh, walk a life that's a bit better than maybe than what I did. Yeah, I think it goes back to really what we started at the beginning is that sometimes this desire of for um, to be with someone and not be lonely, that does go back to how we can help those of you who are married or in families. 
is give them a place where they're not lonely. Because sometimes when you're lonely, it becomes very difficult to live a pure life when you're lonely, when you're by yourself. Um, Matthew 5, 27. It says this. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her, with her, with her in his heart. Is that good? Got it. Um, if your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. I'd just like to point out that this is Jesus talking. Yeah. This is Jesus speaking. What he's saying is, is that it comes down to a heart posture, not a behavior. Your temptations do not define you, but what you do with them can. Mm. Oh. So what that you in the might be, you, what, oh, I'm glad you like that. Um, that was good. That was a good that word. Was good. Say it again. Do you remember? <laughs> yes. Your okay. temptations don't define you, but what you do with them can. That the reality is, is that we need to take control of our minds and where our minds go because that is where this whole idea of purity and holiness starts. Mm. That if we're not in control of our thought patterns, if we're not in control of what's happening um, behind closed doors, then you cannot expect to all of a sudden have self-control when you're out in, with people or, or when you have that really pretty girl sitting next to you, right, Will? You just can't expect to have that... Don't worry, we're going to get to I've Will. I've had some pretty girls sitting beside me. Yeah. We're, oh, we're, we're, getting, we're getting to this, Will. But the point is you're, that just because you're tempted doesn't define you, but you do need to be cautious with what you're doing with that. Why? Because there's ramifications of it. Uh, scripture calls us to this. Holiness is not easy, but what Scripture also says is Jesus says, take up your cross and follow me. Mm. He says, yeah, like follow me. It's not always going to be easy, but the reward at the end of the day is worth it. Uh, you guys got any last thoughts to any of that before I start asking you some questions? No. That was really good. Actually. That was good. I think a lot of, and a lot of people don't think of it in that context that what you do in private will affect what you do in public, mm. right? And, and your thoughts. It is important. Yeah. Can you say that quote one more time? Say it before. What, your temptations don't define you, but what you do with them can. That's a good one. It's yeah. good. It's very true, and we don't think, we don't think about it. Um, if you are single and you want to stay single because that's what you feel like God has called you to, like Paul, and it's the gift he's given you, wonderful. Run after Christ and what he's asking you to do with full abandonment because you can. If you are single and you know that there is a, a burning of passion in you that you're like, no, I can't sustain this. I know I'm going to, I'm going to get married. So, yeah. What you do now will deeply affect what happens later. Don't think that all of a sudden that what your behavior is now isn't going to affect that relationship one day. It will. Mm -hmm. It absolutely will. It will. And, and so it's so crazy. Like, you know, Maria's, Maria's talking about some stuff here that seems probably so foreign to us. It seems crazy, right? Like, oh man, that's just not how things are today. Uh, but I think if we look around the world, we realize that the way things are today probably actually aren't that great. The world is actually in a pretty interesting position. We're dealing with some stuff that's pretty tough. And if you're really honest and introspective and you look into your own life, you realize, man, you know what? Some of the stuff I've chased after is not what I really want for my life. That's not the best of what I desired for my life. And when I was in college, um, I, I, was, I, I dated a lot of girls when I was younger. And, I, and, and not, not, thank you, my it's daughters, true, are, it's a true my daughters are chuckling here. Uh, yes, my kids are in the crowd. And we I can, joke actually I can that the only this. reason why he married me is because I was the only one that didn't like fall at his feet the first time he met him, or I met him. I was like, I well, actually once. rejected him. So he was like, oh, okay, there's the girl for me. No, 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 that's not actually what happened. So, but. <laughs> that's, a, that's actually a thing though. Like, yeah. That's good. That's when, good. When you have to fight for the relationship or fight for the... Yeah. Well, actually, I'll this is what happened. This is what happened. Is so, like, I actually got so sick and tired of dating girls. I, I was so tired of it. And, like, I, you know, I wasn't the best person that I could be when I was dating girls. And, and, and the best things that, you know, before the Lord were not the things that were coming out of these relationships. And, uh, and you know, I really got to a point where I was walking, in the, you know, I was walking in up, up in one of the mountains one day at, at college. And I was like, man, I just can't, I can't do this anymore. I can't. I don't want to date another person ever again in the, in the rest of my life. The next person that I, I have a relationship with, I'm marrying them. And that's it. And, and I said, God, can you help me with this? And so here I am. I'm, I'm uh, skateboarding because um, I used to do that because I used to be cool. 
and I used to not have gray hair. And so I was skateboarding at school, and here I am skateboarding up one of the hills, and I look across the, this pasture, and there's Maria, and, and honestly, like, like a voice from heaven. I'm not kidding you. Like a voice from heaven. You're going to marry that girl. And I was like, well, pop my skateboard up. That's it. I'm, I'm, that's it. I'm finished. That's it. I'm marrying this girl. Yeah. And guess what? And then he thought it was a good idea just to tell me that. I told her that. It's like, hey, here's the deal. Um, God told me to marry you. And she ran away. Uh, and Do then, that and then, if someone. And then the next time I, I sang a little Frank Sinatra for her in front of a whole bunch of people. And then she ran away. And then the next time after that, I brought her flowers and sung to her in front of a whole group of people. And then she took my flowers out of my hands and threw them in the trash can in front of everyone and then ran away. And I was like, this is the one. This is the one. 17 years later, couldn't be happier. All right, let's get a round of applause for that. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right, absolutely. I, so. I actually did the same thing. I swore off dating and I was just like, God, the next person that I'm gonna date, I'm gonna marry, so that's gonna be my husband. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that happened, so. Yeah. Good, yeah. Don't, I don't suggest that for everyone, okay? Like Paige, you page your 15. You're not allowed to do that, okay? Like, I'm not dating anyone. I'm just getting married. Yeah, Paige. You're not allowed to. Yeah. Not we'll yet. talk about this. <laughs> we're, it's my daughter, I'm talking. When you Sorry. were playing aloof, were you... Uh, she wasn't playing aloof. I feel like this would digress the conversation. She was planning, on, I will, she was planning on being I a nun. I will just say, I will say it really quickly. I was not a healthy person at that point. I had just got out of a very abusive relationship and, uh, and engaged, engaged to someone who was um, pretty pretty difficult and not very nice to me. So I was just not in a place. I thought that everyone was fake, especially guys, and I was going to be married to Jesus, and that was going to be good for me. So um, that was where I was at. And so that's what James walked into. So he had to prove himself. I thought he oh, was just a player. And so I was like, nope, I'm done with this. Uh, a, yeah. 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 So I did, wasn't trying to do anything other than protect myself, I think. So Anyways, that has nothing to do with this. Okay. Let's get on. Let's get on. Moving yeah. on, because we're in the red already. Jeepers. I know. My goodness. Our timer, we're you Ask we're them going questions. Down. And okay. I'll, I'll, yeah. Questions. So questions for you, Will. Sure. Okay, so we've kind of unpacked scripture a bit. So I want to know, what is the hardest part about being, Christ, being a Christian and being single, either in the church or not in the church? What's the hardest part? Yeah. I think the hardest part, is that, is that good? Yeah. yeah, I think the hardest part for me and I'm not sure if it's just the, the society and the world that we live in now yeah. or if it's always been this way, but the, the temptation is, is so big right now to do so many lustful and, and, and sinful things in that, in that way. Like at the click of a button, you can fulfill all of your desires. Yeah. Uh, you can go to Tinder. You can get that one night stand if you really want to. You, everything is there for you, and I find that pretty difficult. And, and I think that it's better now with, we, ha we have securities that, that can help us out in, in the Bible and people. And, but if you're just a single guy and, and you're in the church and you don't have too many friends, and it, like, that, that kind of stuff could be deadly. So what do you find helps you with that? So as a Christian, like, what are the things yeah. that you put in your life that help you to withstand or, or um, yeah, not give in to temptation? Mm -hmm. Friends, good friends, that's huge. And my parents are a huge influence on me too. Everything I do, I'm always thinking of my parents. Would, it, would my parents be mad at me if I did this? And it's weird because I'm 20, and I, I don't know if I should be thinking that way still, but, but I think, oh, my parents would be depressed if I did that, or, or they'd be bummed out if I did that. And, and that's something that really grounds me, I think. That's and I think as parents, <laughs> maybe it's a good thing to instill in your kids that, I, maybe not. That, that's really good, though, because, like, in the Bible, it talks about the fear of the Lord, but it's a reverent fear. It's just that you don't want to disappoint them, and they've built that connection and love with you, and I'm assuming maybe have created that open conversation with you so that you could maybe go to them and talk about something if you're struggling with it. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Yeah, that's cool. Like, and when you have a hel when you have that good, solid relationship with your parents, and they're good parents, like, especially, like, you know, b good, solid, biblical model parents. They're healthy. They love you. They minister to you. They build you up. They bolster you. Um, when they call stuff out in you, you, yeah, there should be a twinge of like, oh, you know what? Maybe, you know, maybe I'm doing something they, they wouldn't be proud of. And there's nothing wrong with that. Now, if they were just horrible people and they were manipulating you, that'd be a different story. We'd have counseling sessions about that. But, you know, when there's that, when there's that love for you and you're like, man, you know what? This is not what they would have desired for me. This isn't the best. This isn't how they raised me. And I think since they, they, they know you even better than you know yourself, there's something special about having that frame of reference. I think that's crucial, and, and that's a really good point. So what would you say is the best part? 
What's the best part of being a single Christian? (laughs) Uh, for me, I actually... Not that you have the pick of the litter. We don't want to go into that. I just want to go into like, you know, yeah. Being single for me, I actually quite, I quite enjoy because I find I'm more able to, to get out there and build relationships. People, like I've, I've been in a couple relationships and I like hanging out with people and talking with people and getting to know people. And I feel kind of guilty doing that with females when I am in a relationship. And I, maybe, maybe females like cling on and, and want to become Christians or whatnot because they want something else. But, but I've seen a lot of growth in a lot of people um, through my being single. And when I'm not single, I'm not really able to talk to people because I feel guilty about it. <laughs> That's cool. I like that. It's good to have healthy boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So before we get into like all of our mistakes that are sitting on the other side of it, um, what do you think the church can do and I know it's different, you're young, you're 20, and so it's probably different than if someone was in a different season of life and being single, but what do you think the church could do better to help people who are um, in this season where they're single? Right. A couple of things that really helped me, and, and I think this is because I, I'm part of this, this church called Fresh Life Church, and I'm sure a lot of you have heard of that before. And this pastor, Levi Lasco, he wrote this book called Swipe Right, and and he, he introduced it and he talks about it and then he gives it to the, to the people to read. And for young people and young, young or, or parents or anything, you know, reading these, these materials that, that will help you in your single life and as parents and whatnot. And then, and then having those friends and, and, and the, the family members that are able to push you through. And then maybe as a church, being able to implement that kind of stuff a little more. How? Uh, yeah, setting up, setting up maybe singles groups or, or and, and I think we do do a, a decent job, but it's nice having little conversations and roadmaps to, okay, if you're single, what are the pros of being single? If you're in a relationship, what are the pros of being in a relationship? Why are you in a relationship? Why, why are you single? And I like that we're talking about that right, this right now, but it's not a topic that often gets talked about, I think. Yeah, that's true. That's good. Um, okay, so moving on, um... Okay, kind of already, you already answered that. I'm trying to cut out some of my questions here. Are you ready? Answer. To you guys? Ask questions. Okay. What do you know now? So for Laurel and James, what do you know now that you wish you knew before you started dating? Oh, so good. Um, <laughs> so good. So good. So, I don't know, just honestly, like, have some fun getting to know somebody. Don't, don't be so uptight. Don't be so crazy about stuff of like, oh man, we got to, you know, we got to get on this thing real quick. We got to make this relationship happen. Just get to know someone. Don't push boundaries at all. Like don't even entertain the thought about pushing boundaries. Make a, make a decision to be naive about those things. Like actually make that choice to be naive about the boundaries that can be pushed. Set that up in your mind beforehand. You know, I'm just not going to go there. Uh, and, and, you know, just play some cards with somebody. Don't jump in the sack. Go for a walk and have a snack. Like, you know, just, uh, in, in just in, enjoy just spending some simple, you can, you can quote me, that needs to be a t-shirt. Don't jump in the sack, go for a walk and grab a snack, okay? That's you great. heard it here first, okay? Um, but, but true story, like just enjoy some time together. Uh, whether that's with your guy friends, with your gal friends, just go, f- just enjoy getting to know somebody without any of the thought of like, man, how can we make this thing happen faster, you know? Our world is all about immediate, um, immediate access to our, our pleasure centers and, you know, it doesn't help anything. You end up becoming obese off of the response to pleasure all the time and, and then soon you, you lose the innocence of the simple things a simple handhold or a simple kiss on the cheek. You lose the innocence of that when you're chasing after all the other stuff all the time. So don't do it. Make a choice beforehand not to go that direction. So that's, that's kind of what I, that was my, my big thing when I was thinking about that question. How about you, Laurel? What do you know now that you wish you would have known before you oh, started dating? Guys, I really, from a, <laughs> from a very, like a pretty young age, I was, co- I was really crossing those intimacy boundaries. And how that showed up in my marriage later, I wish someone, you know, like could have come. I don't, and my heart probably wouldn't have been ready for it, but I really wish someone could have come and shook me. And I I do wish that I had friends with like values because I I really don't think that I did. Um, But what came to mind when I was thinking about this question is 
Um, I really, if I could relay one message in, in really holding on to the inheritance that you want for the, your marriage, the, the relationship that you want with your husband or your wife and how beautiful of a relationship that you want that to be, there was only one rule I really had in my mind when it came to finding a husband. It, it was that he loved Jesus. And there is just no other no other deeper connection that you can have with someone than when <laughs> it's just making me tear up. I'm so sorry, <laughs> but it's, it's so true. It's so good that like your husband can come and he can grab your hand and he can pray for you in your moments of deepest struggle. There's nothing in the world that will bring you closer together. There's no connection in this world that you can have deeper with someone who has the same love for Jesus and that that can come and connect you and build each other up. And, and the last thing I do, really do want to add is that we need to be giant killers. You know, David was so different and he was so courageous. And it's so easy to get caught up in the world where we can just be like, well, everyone is having sex. You, you can say I said it, okay. but everybody's, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. And I felt, I felt trapped to that. And it was like the, the enemy came and he fooled me into thinking that that was something that I needed to do to be able to fit in or, you know, to, to have some, some form of status, but we need to dare to be different. We need to stand out and we need to be courageous in how we do that. And we need to build each other up in doing that. So if you are struggling with any of those problems, you do need to go to someone. Please come to one of us or if you're not sure where the rules are, or the gray areas are, or where the boundaries should lie. And it looks different for some people. Some people don't even kiss, okay? And this is real thing you guys. And I've heard the testimonies of people who have not kissed before they've gotten married. And it is wild to see how they interact with their spouses and the inheritance that God has brought into their marriage. It's wild. So I would really dare you to be different. Hmm. I'll let you guys think I'm going to give you one more chance to give yeah. one last thought. Yeah. But I just want to add to that. Yeah. If you, if you ask me what I wish I would have known, <clears throat> I think I grew up in a church that said that, um, you know, back to that idea that, that your um, sexuality should just automatically appear when you get married. And so basically, don't have sex before you get married. That's all I got told. It's bad. And I think I would have wanted to, um, I wish I knew that intimacy was not sex. Yeah. I wish I knew that intimacy that God talks about in scripture with another human being isn't just sexual intercourse. I wish I would have known that it starts way before that, that there are ways that you can cross boundaries of intimacy that God intended to only be for a married couple way before you end up in bed together mm -hmm. and that I wish I would have protected that more. That's or because physically, that, like physically connecting it all. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think because every person, we like to put things in black and white and I don't think it is black and white. I think it comes down to this idea of, am I honoring God? Mm -hmm. Am I meeting whoever it is that I am dating at God's feet. If I'm doing something that I wouldn't do with him being in the room, then I shouldn't be doing it. And, and understanding that, that, that when intimacy boundaries are crossed before you're married, and then all of a sudden you get married, you assume that the insecurity that comes along with them being crossed before you get married are all of a sudden just gonna disappear because you got married and they don't. Yeah. And it's a struggle, you guys, it is, when you cross those boundaries and then you have to come together and there's so much healing that you guys, you have to do with then your husband and not only with yourself. Yeah. It, there's lots of healing that you have to then be responsible for. We, yeah, we've talked about that a lot, especially like, you know, just chatting with, with some of the young couples in the church or even older married couples that have come into our office and we're walking through things is uh, when you have those, those uh, all those connection points, all those, you know, all those intimacy connection points throughout your life, um, suddenly you're bringing extra people into your marriage bed or into your home or into your intimate spaces um, that otherwise you didn't even realize would be an issue. And it, and it comes up, it will come up over time. Um, one of the things I thought was really interesting here is, you know, as Christians, we talk about the love of Christ, right? And in the Bible, it says they won't, people will know who the Christians are by the love that they have for one another, okay? And so we, we, we talk about this incredible love of Jesus that is so amazing, so special, so, so pure and, and perfect. Uh, and we profess that, 
But then when we're in the dating scene, we go and we uh, get intimate with other people, right? We sleep around with other people. We have sex with other people. We get into these relationships with other people. Uh, and, and ultimately, we don't end up marrying them. And we have, uh, you know, a, a bunch of folks in our list of people that we've connected with in that way. But what we don't often think about is, is sometimes, sometimes we reflect on, man, you know, maybe that wasn't a good idea for me. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I don't want to make these decisions. But we seldom reflect on what that's done for the other person. So if we're honest about being believers and we're serious about bearing the name of being a Christian, and we, and we go out into our world and say, yeah, I'm a Christian, I go to this church, and I believe in Jesus, and I read my Bible, if we're professing that with our mouths, yet we go and we take an intimate moment from someone else's life, are we truly walking in the love of Christ? Now, let's take that a step further. We may go and sleep with somebody or have an intimate relationship with somebody and think, no big deal of it. You know what? Bad, bad decision. I'll, I'll deal with it at a later point. What we don't often think about is the fact that now we just slept with, had sex with, became intimate with somebody else's future spouse, somebody else's, else's future wife, somebody else's future husband. And we've introduced ourselves into their intimate spaces without even considering the ramifications. So when we say that we love one another and we're called to love those that are around us, that doesn't mean like the love of like, let's get in the sack together. That means the love of, hey, I care about you enough that I'm going to dial back my desires for the sake of your health. I'm going to dial back my wants for the sake of your life. I'm going to dial back my intimate thoughts and wants and needs for the sake of you having a healthy, whole, complete relationship in your future. And we think about what Jesus did for us. He sacrificed for us. I don't think we sacrifice for each other very often, especially in that way. So just think about that as you're processing some of this. So, Will, you got any last thoughts for us? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I really actually like that about boundaries. I thought that was really good. A kind of a kind of funny analogy that I make, and I don't know if it's a great analogy, but I'll say it anyways. <laughs> One time my buddy was asking me about dating advice, and so I said, if you plant a seed in a sidewalk, it might grow, but it won't grow that well. But if you plant a seed in its natural habitat, then it will grow very well. Mm. And I think it's the same with, with dating too. If you're forcing yourself into a relationship, then the chances are it's not going to be a great one. Mm. But if you're letting it happen naturally in the presence of God, then, then it's going to grow and you're going to have a good one. That's good. That's really good. I like that. So worship team, you guys the worship team up. I'm just going to end with, um, I, I don't want to end on a note of like, oh my goodness, people feeling convicted that they may have done things that were not oh, great. Here's and the so deal. Here, hey, you can, let, okay, okay, let, okay. I got it. Okay. okay. Uh, here's what I wanted to encourage you with is... Uh, Two things, one, or a few things. We're going to go over. Singleness is a gift. It's a gift from God. It's a gift that you are given. Don't take it as something that is a burden. I know it might feel like that sometimes, but it is a gift. Mm-hmm. The second piece is that God has called you to honor him and pursue him in that gift. Yeah. Um, the third piece is, is that your temptations, like I said, they don't define you, but what you do with them can. Mm. But God can also redeem them. Absolutely. And so I want to end there this morning that if, if you're out there, if you're in here and you have made choices that now you're feeling like, oh my goodness, I wish I wouldn't have made those. Because yeah, I do see the consequences of some of those decisions. I do deal with some of that. Is that the hope that we have is that God can restore you to completion. Oh. That these are yes. not things that you're right off. And so uh, if you need prayer over that, if you know that you have crossed something and you know that there's damage there and you're like, God, I want to be restored so that I can look at, at my future through a lens that is whole and complete in what you wanted, uh, I encourage you to connect with one of us mm. and, and get some prayer over that because God can bring healing in to restore you to being back whole. Because when we have these situations, it takes pieces of us away and we become less and less whole that God mm. intended us to be. And sometimes we need prayer prayer for God to restore that healing in our lives. So we're going to end there this morning. I'm just going to pray over you as a church. We're going to sing one more worship song together. God, I just thank you that your scripture is, uh, is so rich. No matter what season of life we are in, that you speak to all of us. God, I just, I pray for those that this morning that are in this season of singleness and dating, God, that they would look at it as a gift that you have given them for this period of time. 
God, that you would give them the strength to live a holy life, that they would come before you and say, God, let my life be honoring and uplifting to who you are. God, I pray that you would give them the ability to find the people and the, the uh, friends and the, and the things that they need in order to live that out. God, I pray for those this morning that may have been asking the question, why do you feel so far away from me, God? And this morning, they may be realizing that, oh, maybe I have moved myself far away from you. Maybe in this season of life where I'm supposed to be honoring to you, I haven't. And I'm wondering why I can't feel you anymore. God, I pray that, that for those that are feeling convicted, that there would be a heart of repentance before you. As they repent before you, God, that you would come in and your healing power would restore them to wholeness. God, that you would restore people to wholeness this morning. Even those that are married now, that are looking back and saying, I have made things, problems, I've made mistakes in the past that are now impacting my marriage, impacting my marriage bed. God, I pray that they would bring healing to those situations. That you would restore the purity Purity is not just a single thing, a singleness thing. It is a lifelong thing. God, I pray that you'd restore that in your church. God, that we would come before you. And no matter what type of relationship we have, that we would meet at your feet. God, I pray for your presence to come. That your church would feel your Holy Spirit doing your work this morning. there would be healing and restoration in this place, in homes, at the farm. God, that there would be healing and restoration this morning. God, I pray that we wouldn't just move on with our day when you have brought something to light. God, I pray that we would give you space. Space to deal with it. God, I pray that those that are married this morning and in families, that you would encourage us, open our eyes to those that we are to make a part of our families, those that we are to bring in and, and be a part of us. And God, I pray that we would respond, that they would find a place, not just on a Sunday morning or in a small group, but they would find a place in our homes, in our family spaces they would feel that belonging. We thank you that your promises are written in scripture and that we can cling to them this morning. In your precious name.